Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Kaboom! If you thought four hours a day, 1,200 minutes a week was enough... Think again. He's the last remnants of the old republic. A sole bastion of fairness. He treats crackheads in the ghetto gutter the same as the rich pill poppers in the penthouse. Wow. The clearinghouse of hot takes break free for something special. The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller starts right now. In the air everywhere welcome in the fifth hour with ben maller and danny g radio danny's still on assignment fatherly duty for danny he should be back next weekend congratulations again to danny and his wife on the birth of their son last weekend we'll have all the details when danny returns but we go back to the well one more time the fox sports radio alumni association a chance to catch up with one of my friends in the radio business who's no longer in the radio business, but if you've been a fan of talk radio, sports talk radio over the years, you know who this guy is. He not only did a long stint at Fox Sports Radio, he also worked at Sporting News Radio, which no longer exists, and the fledgling NBC Sports Radio Network, which also no longer exists. There must be a pattern there. But it is very exciting for me to welcome back to the microphones the man, the myth, the legend. He also was the voice of the Macon Whoopi hockey team. We'll have to get into that as well. The great Turk Stevens joins us now on the fifth hour. Turk, welcome in. And why don't we start with your timeline? How many years? I forget. How many years were you at Fox Sports Radio? Yes, I, I went to uh, a competing uh, network. Well, actually, I was asked to go uh, by a couple of people. And then I landed uh, at a different network, and then uh, they moved uh, out of state. They left California. And so uh, by the good graces of one Dan Beyer, I was able to uh, return to Fox Sports Radio for a couple of years. Now, was that the sporting news radio that you went to was it, it, it was it was sporting news radio okay yeah. and i did that then they moved to houston after like three years uh three or four years they moved to houston um uh, i was actually the last voice heard out of the los angeles studios 
for Sporting News Radio. Did they want you? Did they want you to go to Houston, or did they tell you, oh, we're good. We don't need no, you." No, no, they actually did. They wanted me to go, uh, but I was teaching full time. Um, I was teaching PE at a private school uh, down in Santa Monica, and so I didn't want to go. And so they they understood that. No, but they did want me to go. Uh, I didn't go, and then um, and then I ended up uh, going to back to Fox for a couple of years, and then. Uh, NBC Sports Radio moved in. The, the now departed uh, NBC Sports Radio. They're no longer in business. And they came in and uh, offered me a full-time gig. So I left Fox uh, to go to NBC Sports Radio. Look at that. The career path of the Turk. And I remember you did the show with me on the weekends back when you first started. Uh, we were together. We did quite a bit of of nonsense. And you were one of the, we did. You were one of the original... Guys, that you know, Benny versus the Penny. Although I think back then we had a different name for it in the early days. We didn't call it Benny versus the Penny. We called it something else, Ben versus the Coin or whatever. Yes, yeah. I remember. I actually remember you coming to me one night. It was one of the overnights, and you saying, "I have this idea," and it was me and you, you know, doing the show overnight. And you told me the idea. I still remember that night, and we talked about it. And we and then we put it together, and I, I. I had a quarter and we, we did the flips live. I actually did them live back then. And it was Ben versus the coin. Yeah. Not a, not a great name. Good bit. Not a great (laughs) name. It it was either that or bringing a monkey or something like that. That's right. Yes. Those were our options. And uh, yes, I'll I'll blame you for the name because it was your your show. Yeah, so but eventually we you. we got a good name though. Benny versus the Penny was the name that it morphed into. And yes. I, my one of my favorite Turk memories is when you were on vacation. You were out. You were out one weekend. Yes. Uh, you, you were in Palm Springs or Correct. something, and you still called in to do the. Yes do the bit with the coin yes it was hilarious because you were like in a hot tub or something yes it was nuts it was live it was and it really was live that was no joke i was i was live from a hot tub i and uh, put the phone next to me and we and had a coin i brought i brought a quarter just for it and did flip it on the side of the uh, hot tub and uh, yes we did it live from that was right around christmas we did it live from the hot tub so you're ruining the illusion, though. It's Benny versus the, the 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 penny. Although at that time it was the coin, so you could get away with the quarter. It you was yes, because it wasn't. It was a coin back then, and we said it was a quarter. Yeah, you you yeah. altered it to a penny, so it's a little different yeah. now. Well, it's all for marketing reasons. It was all for marketing reasons, and uh, somebody you, you and, just can't afford a quarter anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, working in the radio business, <laughs> I can barely afford a penny at this point. But uh, that's a whole different different conversation. Uh, so you you would come. I remember you came to Fox. You were from Vermont, right? Is that where you would you were from there? You had grown up there. Is that where you were working before you came to Fox Sports Radio? No, I actually uh, was working in Macon, Georgia. Okay. I was the last radio voice for the East Coast Hockey League minor league team called the Macon Whoopie. Oh, yes. I remember that. We used to do jokes about that. The Macon That is Whoopi. correct. Yes. I still have clothing from that because that's how they paid us when they folded. They went out of business. Uh, and, they, and, and, of course, in sports, it's called folding. And uh, I was out of work. And they paid us. Basically, our last paychecks were, here are some leftover clothes. Take them. Yeah. Is that stuff worth anything? That's kind of a, uh, no, I'm sure it isn't. I'm no. sure it is. Yes. My, my son is here pointing out 
I still have uh, making whoopee notepads. <laughs> well, uh, Trevor's your marketing guy. He's your uh, he's your marketing guy for sure. Yes, yes. 100%. So I actually um, this was in well, this was summer of two thousand two. I'm out of work in Macon, Georgia, and I I just saw an ad looking for an update anchor for Fox Sports Radio, which would have been what just two years old. You guys would have been about two years old then, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, because you're an original, and they uh, and I, uh, Smokey Gifford is the one who hired me. Very Smokey Gifford. That's right. I, actually, I sent it in, waited a month, heard nothing, called, just cold called him. And he said, oh, well, yeah, you know, gave me the, the usual, you know, yeah, whatever. And then the next day he called me. I swear he ne- had never listened to my CD. It was CDs back then. You yeah. would, you know, mail them. And I swear he never listened to it. But then he must have pulled it out of the pile. He told me there were 150 CDs he got for this overnight opening and I ended up getting the gig. So I moved from Georgia to, uh, to LA before that I was in Vermont. I had grown up in New York and Vermont and, uh, and I had, uh, I was in Roswell and Albuquerque, New Mexico in the mid nineties, uh, doing radio, uh, making, as, as you know, very short money. Uh, I got called back to Vermont for a job doing play by play, which is what I love to do. Uh, doing college hockey and basketball. And I did that for four years and then went down to Georgia to do the minor league hockey, which I love. I enjoyed it thoroughly uh, and then was disappointed when the team went under, but then got lucky and uh, and got to meet you. And you were one of my trainers in L.A. when I first got there at it's Fox. A, it's a small world. And, and we might have ended up working together earlier because I, I've told you the story before, but when I was in San Diego at the Mighty 690, one of the first offers I got was to do an afternoon drive show in Albuquerque at I think a station you worked at. I think that was one of the stations you worked at. It was uh, this guy. The sports Animal? Yeah, the Sports Animal was the name of the station. They they approached me about doing a show in the afternoon, but I saw how much money they paid, and I, yes. I decided, you know what, I, if I'm going to leave Southern California, I got to get something that actually pays some decent money. Otherwise, I'm. it's just not going to – not going to work out. The financial is not going to work out, but I know you had, you know, you had to take less money and you're supposed to, you know, it's cheaper to live in Albuquerque and all that stuff. But I was like, I don't know. And I have a friend of mine that still does radio in Albuquerque and he likes it. He he enjoys it there. I've never been to Albuquerque, so I don't know. You missed out. I, I know it's one of the great vacation destinations. In fact, they actually have billboards around LA. They have photos of, balloons you know those big giant uh hot, i remember those the hot air balloons and they're like this is what we consider traffic you know I try to get people to <laughs> yes they do a fall festival every october the hot yeah. air balloons is actually yeah. pretty cool if you get chances go uh go it's pretty fun to watch it's early in the morning though you'd have to do it after your shift and you know i'd have to stay up yeah i can't yeah getting up early in the morning not my thing so you were traveling with the making whoopee turk uh yes what was the what were the accommodations like when you're traveling with a minor league hockey team was it first class were you staying at the the ritz carlton when you were on the road uh, traveling by chartered planes uh how'd that exactly that's what double a hockey is yes no it was uh, some of the hotels were, were not bad. It all depended on when you uh, book them, and that was not my department. Um, unfortunately, I remember one of our trips was to New Orleans, which is the only time I've been in New Orleans. That was one of the benefits. Uh, I got to see the South, which I hadn't really seen much of. Uh, I don't count Florida as the South, so I hadn't really been through the South. And so it was fun to go. 
there was a team in New Orleans. Unfortunately, our uh, our crack administrative staff waited before booking the New Orleans trip. And we ended up in Metairie, like 20 miles out in a in this ramshackle old brick motel. I think it might have been a Super 8 at one time. It might have been an Econo Lodge, actually. And it was it was brutal. It was right across from where the Saints used to train. I don't know if they still train in Metairie, but the, it was across from that. It was not good. Not not good. The cockroaches were large. Let me tell you that. Yeah. Everything's larger in the South, though. All the animals and bugs. But and- New Orleans was awesome. I mean, to get there and I got and to get on the, you know, to get out on Bourbon Street and I interviewed, you know, we had a game Friday night in minor league hockey. They usually do games on the weekends. They'll go back to back games. And so we had a game Friday night and I interviewed, I always tried to interview the local beat writer for the team during the first intermission of the first night. And then afterwards he talks to me, we're, you know, during the commercial break and he says, you know, are you going to go down to Bourbon street? I said, yeah. And he said, here's my card. Don't stray like 10 feet off of Bourbon street. If you get in trouble, call me. <laughs> I'm thinking, <laughs> Oh boy, <laughs> what am I getting myself into? <laughs> But uh, but no, it was it was fine. I mean, it was I had to take a cab all the way back to Metairie. That wasn't too pleasant, but uh, but it was it was a lot of fun. And that was one of the nice things about it. The travel was tough. We had a bus. It was a sleeper bus that was on an eighteen wheeler rig, and it was like a flatbed rig. And then it was like a submarine with uh, just bunks, three bunks on each side, with a small row to walk down. And it slept about 22 or 23 people. And that's what we use. And the guy drove like a, like a maniac. And it was, you'd be kind of, kind of moving back and forth down, down the high. We must've been doing 85 in the middle of the night, you know, down the, down the freeways. And it, and you'd be rocking back and forth on this, in this thing as you tried to sleep. It was interesting for sure. It sounds like the movie portrayals of minor league sports. It's, like, it sounds real life. like that. Yeah, like that's it's actually... real life. It really, and that's why I decided to do it. I mean, I had done four years at, in Vermont doing the University of Vermont sports. I was the voice of the Catamounts. Uh, they didn't have a football team. It was hockey and basketball were the big sports. And after four years of that, I was getting toward my mid-30s. And I'm like, well, you know, if I'm going to do minor league sports, I got to try it now because the travel is is hell. And so I did it and uh, it took a while. I was taking the Dramamine the first few road trips, but then after that you got used to it and it was, and then you could sleep. It's kind of amazing because after a while you got used to it and you could sleep overnight. So I've told you this in the past, but the, you listening have no idea, but early on I wanted to be a play by play guy. I didn't want to be a talk show host. My goal was not to do talk radio. I like talk radio, but I was like, ah, I want to be play by play. I want to be like Vin Scully. And then I started doing some research about how difficult it is, and this is a long time ago, but the career arc of a minor league play-by-play guy, A, you get terrible money, and then yes. and then B, the, the lifestyle's hard, you're traveling, as you said, you just described, you're, you're not traveling well in weird, weird van, uh, buses and whatnot. But then the other problem is to move up the ranks, the ladder to a higher level, is almost impossible at that time it was because the guys in the in the big league jobs would keep those jobs until they were 85, 90 years old in some cases. Yes. And so it was impossible. And I, I remember I had an epiphany when I, I was starting doing radio. I did talk radio. We were in Indianapolis 
And I went to an Indianapolis Indians game, the AAA team in Indianapolis, and the play-by-play guy there had been there for 25 years or something doing AAA baseball in Indianapolis. And I think the guy is, I think he's still there, by the way. I think he's yes. been there like 50 he might years. Be. What's the name of the guy? Russ Langer. Yes. Uh, uh, he was, uh, he was, uh, where was he in Vegas or, or Vegas, Albuquerque? Yeah. He was yeah. in Albuquerque when I was there and you were almost there. Yeah. Uh, in the, in the mid nineties, he was doing the Albuquerque Dukes was the Dodgers triple a. Yeah. Um, then they moved to Vegas. And in fact, when I lived in Vegas, uh, uh what six, what five, six years ago, I lived in Vegas before uh, I moved here to Phoenix. Uh, he was there and he's, do- he's been doing probably 30 years. He's been doing triple a baseball and he just can never get that break and super nice guy and could never get that break to get into the big leagues. And you're right. They would hold on to him forever. Uh, you made the right choice, by the way, uh, uh, going to, going to a talk show host, I think was the right move for you. Uh, I don't yeah. see you as a play by play guy. No, but you know me now, but, yes. but you know, you know me, but early on, I think I could do, I could have done the play-by-play stuff. But you I, never got, cause you did, you did Dodger pre and post, right? I did, I did do that for, uh, for a couple of years. Yeah. Right. And, but do you never got the break? Someone, you know, Vin didn't have a Vegas no, oh, throat or no, something. No, no, you couldn't, no. you couldn't go on for him. Well, the funny thing is in those days, it was, and that was hallowed, you know, Vin and Ross Porter and right. Rick Monday and, they would not let any slums like me or you do that. But in more recent years, like David Vasse, who does the Dodger stuff now, he's been given opportunities to do some stuff um, and some some other people. But in those days, it was like, no, this is hallowed ground. You have to be of a certain ilk to have that well, microphone. And have the experience. You have to be of a – yes, you had to have paid your dues. Exactly. Exactly. And and that's what what you talked about, about going up the ladder. It was. And I, you know, I I I could have gotten another minor league hockey job. Um, I hated doing the media portion of it. You had to do media relations, you know, the PR part. And and I really hated it. And I just wanted to do play by play. It's all that's what I wanted to do from from being five or six years old. All I ever wanted was play by play. And I went to college, got a degree in broadcast journalism, started in my hometown of 10,000 people, St. Albans, Vermont, shout out to St. Albans. And, and I started and, but then this job came, you know, you, when you're unemployed in your mid thirties, sitting, you know, in a, in a, in a small apartment in Macon, Georgia, you know, you, you got to take what you can get. And I said, okay, I'll apply to Fox, never thinking I would ever get it because, you know, it's Los Angeles, it's national network radio. I had done sports updates for Burlington, Vermont. You know, I would never get it, and I got it. So I made the choice. And actually, I haven't done play-by-play since. The Make and Whoopi was the last one. It's over 20 years now. It's hard to believe. It's been over 20 years now. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Did any of those players make it? Any of the coaches make it to the, the higher level, the NHL from the Whoopi? Um, I not from our team. Uh, Gord Denine was the coach of the Macon Whoopi. I think I got the job partly because he phoned me for an interview, uh, and and he said, "Hi, I'm Gord Denine," and I said, "I hated you as a player. I'm a Rangers fan," and he laughed because he was an Islander. And, and he played for the Islanders for years, and so he laughed, and I think that's probably one reason I got the job. Um, but so he was a pro player, you know, a big league player that came down, but none of the players made it to the NHL from our team. Uh, Jack Capuano, who I actually went to college with at the University of Maine, was in my dorm, was coaching the PD Pride in South Carolina, my year of doing ECHL. And so he ended up making it to the New York Islanders, in fact, as a head coach for years. Most people, most players in the East Coast Hockey League, they're lifers. They're not getting out of the minors. Yeah, they are locked in. They're on the lifetime employment. Kind of like me at Fox Sports Radio, lifetime employment plan, but you're you're Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how you got that, Ben. I don't I don't know. Don't don't jinx it, Turk. Don't jinx <laughs> it. It might it might end. At any moment. So you did the show. You did stuff with me. You you went to you were at Sporting News. You did NBC. What do you, do you have? A couple of favorite memories of those days doing the radio stuff, doing the updates and whatnot that stand out. I I, I love. We talked about the hot tub. That was great. Yes, that what was are, one of the highlights. What are some of the other things that uh, stand out from those days? You know, my first time on uh, on Sporting News Radio, I was supposed to. Um, I was supposed to go and train for a little bit there just, you know, because every network has different music, different ways that they throw it to you. That's called the in different ways. I would get out and know the music. Everyone has different music. And I was supposed to train on that. But then I remember actually I was at Santa Anita one day. It was in February of 07. I was at Santa Anita and 
they uh, they called me and said, hey, we need someone to fill in uh, with Jeff Biggs, of all people, someone who a lot of L.A. sports radio fans would know because he's worked for every single station. Uh, he needed a, a someone to work with him. Somebody dropped out. It was on uh, the Grammys night, and we were doing some kind of – and it was some Sunday night show. So that was my first time on uh, on Sporting News Radio, and I got to co-host with the great Jeff Biggs uh, doing a show. Uh, I hosted college, a college football show uh, for a couple of years on Saturday mornings for an hour, uh, right before kickoff of all the of all the games on Sporting News. I like doing that. Ah, uh, oh boy, what was my? Oh, I know my first my, um, my first time on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, you were training me. Um, which is and, which is right there a nightmare that I'm training. Well, anyone. I should not well, be training anyone. That I should I have tell no you, goal in it, training. It was intimidating, and I've told you this story. It was intimidating because I get there and the studio. I'm from a small town in Vermont, and and the and then I had done stuff in uh, in Albuquerque, but those are small, you know, small little studios with old equipment. And I walk into the studios at Fox Sports Radio, and it to me it looked like the Starship Enterprise. I mean, it was huge rooms. There were lights blinking from everywhere. I mean, all kinds of tape decks and, and mini cassette things and, and God knows what, and computers everywhere. And this huge board, which, by the way, you don't need to use like 90% of it. It just looks huge. It is huge, but you don't use any of the dials except maybe two. And it was, in, and then you get on the air and you, you do these brilliant updates with almost no notes. And I'm thinking, oh boy, what what am I doing here? Uh, but you trained me, and um, uh, who else? Uh, someone else that worked in Fort Myers now, and he oh, trained. Oh, Craig Sheeman. Craig Sheeman. Yeah, the uh, Craig Sheeman. Uh, also, super nice guy. Very nice. And uh, he, I, I think Craig just didn't want. He didn't like doing updates, and you know, he was more of a host like you. And both of you graduated finally, as you should have, to become hosts and not do updates. And uh, Craig just didn't want to do the updates. So I was supposed to train for like a week and I trained for two days and it was like the nine o'clock update for JT, the brick show. Uh, and he says, okay, you're going to do the nine o'clock. You're ready. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, uh, no, I don't think I am. <laughs> yeah, you are. And so, so I, that's how I started on network. Right. I just, okay. I had like two days of prep instead of a week and bam. And I was on the air and then I did it ever since. And, uh, it was, <laughs> It's it the, was a lot of fun. It really the, was. The sink or swim technique. It definitely was. was. It was it was the I don't want to do the updates, so I'm gonna let this guy do it. And if he dies, he dies. But yeah. gonna do well it's it. funny you, you brought up when you walked into the studio because th that's the most famous story from the early days of Fox Sports Radio. There was a guy who shall remain nameless. It was not you, but somebody that the company had hired who had worked at some big stations. He had a nice resume. And they brought him in. And I think you actually might know this person because I think the person was there while you were there, although it might have been before you. No, I, it was before me because you guys told me all the stories. Uh, okay, all right. So we told you. Anyway, so the guy came in, and this guy walked around like he was God's gift to radio. I mean, but he had he walked into that that studio you're referring to, the, the, the update studio, the news studio, and and then they told him what he had to do. And he said, what is this? The space shuttle? I'm supposed to run the space shuttle here. It. And uh, it is one of the greatest uh, stories because um, 
Annie, who you know, who oh, is yes. uh, you know one of our bosses, uh, and uh, a very interesting woman, nice woman. Uh, but she she sold. They would hire people, and she she would be, oh, this guy's amazing. Look at the resume and all this stuff. And so we always kind of took it with a grain of salt. But this guy in particular, not only her, but several other people at the company were selling this guy's resume and he just was totally in over his head. And uh, it was, wasn't he the one who he wasn't ready to do the update and the music came on. And when the music comes on folks, you're on. I mean, after the, yeah. after the voice guy says Fox sports update, you have to, if you're the update anchor, you have to go. And didn't he like put his hand up? Like he wasn't ready. Yeah, no, he told the board op to play more commercials. Right. Uh, was what he told him. And I was like, hey, we're on a network. We can't, yeah. this is not a local station. We can't, local station, you just keep playing extra spots, but on the network, you got to go. And it's like, right. and it's uh, all t- tight on a clock. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, such a debacle, uh, <laughs> such a total debacle. Not it kidding. is a very beautiful studio. <laughs> For folks, if you ever get there, go and visit Ben. And, uh, well, a- we, you'll be happy to know, Turk, next time you're in Los Angeles, we, a few months ago, moved from the studio we had been in for over 20 years, 22 yeah. years. We just moved across the hall. And <laughs> this is, you talk about uh, high rent real estate in radio. We moved across the hall. Rush Limbaugh had his own LA studio when he would come to LA for like two weeks a year. Rush did a show from Florida. But he right. would he would do the show from Los Angeles in this in the studio. So uh, they kept it only for Rush. Uh, it was the old Rockline studio. And then the next studio over was Steve Harvey. He had moved back to L.A. and he was doing his show for a while. And then the pandemic, when 2020 came around, that all stopped. He just did the show from home. Or moved, right. I think he moved back to Atlanta. But anyway, so they had these two massive, beautiful studios that were first class. Everything was brand new for Limbaugh, who passed away, and Steve Harvey. And so they they moved us across the hall. Oh, and they uh, so we're 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 just across the hall from where. How's we're- that? It's 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 cool. I like it a lot. Mostly because the air conditioning works better than the old studio, <laughs> yes. and I like I like to make it like an ice box. Yes, um, you did. I like I like it to be like a freezer when I'm in there, and yes. it's it's really perfect, and everything's new. People haven't spilled coffee over everything, and the food. <laughs> and, and no, that. you'll take care of that. Oh no, no, I don't. You know, you don't mean these days, Turk. I, I, I intermittent fasting, man. I don't. I don't eat these guys. Some of these guys go in there and they eat like five meals during the show. It fascinates. <laughs> That's I'm great. Like, what are you doing? I'm uh, sure it's not healthy either. No, of course not. No, it's it's disgusting. It's Terrible. El Pollo Loco from right next door. Yeah, the crazy chicken or whatever's. Uh, there's a Buffalo Wild Wings across the street at the at the mall. Uh, oh, they're, okay. they're doing that, but uh, uh, so I I want to now we we are. Kind of close to the same age. I was talking to TJ Simers. We had TJ Simers on the show oh, yesterday. Very good. The great columnist from the LA yes. Times. And we were talking about the way sports media operates. And like me and you, Turk, I think are on the same page because we're around the same age. Like we grew up and you grew up on the East Coast. I grew up on the West Coast. But I always loved the the critical eye in the media, the columnist that would attack the radio guy when warranted. Uh, performance right. that was not up to standard. And I, I told TJ, I said, listen, you're one of the last guys that did that. And, and, and in LA, he's one of the only guys that ever did it because LA is a pretty soft town when it comes to the media. <laughs> they worship the athletes and TJ didn't do that. And 
and we were discussing like, will it ever get back to the way it was? And he didn't think it will ever get back to the way it was. I, I am skeptical as well, Turk, but the way sports media operates now, where if you are critical, I've noticed people get upset. A lot of people are like, well, are you using so critical? You shouldn't be so critical. What's your take on that? I agree. I, I agree with you guys. Nobody's critical anymore. And I hate it. Uh, I, I, I'll tell you when, uh, when I was, uh, teenager and into my college days and, and in my twenties, I remember we'd watch hockey games and then a goal would be scored. And what we did was we wanted to see who the defenseman, who was a defenseman now skating into the picture after the goal scored. Cause it was his fault. So it was the one with his <laughs> head down. You know, we were critical. It's like, we're, we're looking for who gave up the goal. Why? And they don't do that anymore. And they, I think it's access. I think it used to be that way back when it started 20s, 30s, 40s. I mean, starting with Babe Ruth and those guys and, and going up through when new sports came up where the uh, nobody said anything. Nobody dug for information, you know, like uh, what Mickey Mantle, Whitey Ford, Billy Martin would show up drunk at games and no one, you know, the reporters never say anything. They were drunk from the night before. And right. And no one would no one would write about it. And it was the same thing with presidents. And no one would say anything. And then Watergate happened. And I think that changed it um, from the 70s, the 80s and 90s when we grew up, where it became, it, oh, it was now it was on. Now you're now reporters were supposed to dig and supposed to get info and be critical and not trust, you know, what the teams were telling you and not trust what the government was telling you. And then for some reason in the last 20 years, it's all swung back. And I don't know what started it, but it's I, I think teams started to um, started to like withhold access and hold that over the reporters heads. Do you think that's the case where they say, look, you start being too critical of us. You're not you, we won't let you in here. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. 
we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I have a theory on this. And my theory is, and I had somebody, when Major League Baseball started their MLB.com and they started hiring beat writers, to cover the teams. And yes. that was the, that, that was to me, that was the origin of it. I had somebody that, that worked at baseball tell me that this is the future. We're just going to, cause they were upset with the negative media. So we'll just hire the writers and then we'll kind of be able to be in control of what's said about the team. And he said, you know, given, given enough time, you know, this will become the way people expect to get their news about their favorite team. And it's been about a generation since MLB started that, and we're now at that point where people, a lot of younger people, younger than us, Turk, just expect everything to be sugarcoated about their favorite team. And I blame the team website stuff, but you are right. A lot of it also is, hey, if you say something we don't like, we're not going to give access. And, and we talked to TJ yesterday, and TJ pointed something out also. He says, like, the beat writers – in, the, in his day, when he was a beat writer, if the team did not make somebody available, he would just still try to track the guy down. He's like, well, no, my job is to talk to that person today, not tomorrow. And so, but now a lot of the media guys are just like, whatever the, the PR people tell them. That's it. They just that's take what, it. Yes, that's what they do. Um, I complain about it on Twitter all the time. <laughs> they, the, the, you know, my team, I'm, I'm a Mets fan. and My, my condolences. Yeah, yeah, oh boy, I, shit, uh, the last week has been brutal. And uh, uh, I uh, I complain about it on Twitter. The the beat writers don't dig for any information. I mean, they now they don't have. And I think one of the reasons is because they don't have to sell papers anymore because there are no more newspapers. So they don't. Part of the job of the beat writer when TJ Simers is doing it was he needed to sell papers. So he needed to beat the other guy to the story because that's what sold papers. The the, the paper that broke stories was the one that people bought and. That's not the case anymore. There are no more newspapers, and the beat writers aren't – I'm sure they're not being pushed. Clearly, they're not to go get stories and go find information that isn't out there yet because the fans want to know it. So they don't have to do that anymore, so they don't. I mean, they literally don't. Don't don't look for any information. It's what you just said. They just let the PR people give them stuff, and that's it. And it's, that's not what it was supposed to be. That's not what journalism was when I got my journalism degree, and it's unfortunate that – that that's what it is because it's just, you don't know anything anymore. It's no fun. Yeah. It, it, he, TJ told me, he said the thing that you have to do now as a writer, they call it engagements where like they expect when people read your story, he said like, he was talking about the LA times. Cause he's still obviously connected there with people at the times and they expect certain number of engagements, like people to subscribe based on reading Bill Plaschke or somebody like that. So I don't know how they keep track of who's actually subscribing you know, based on reading a column or not, but supposedly that's the case. But uh, you mentioned you're a Mets fan. So at the trade deadline this year, Verlander and Scherzer gone. 
There's a big controversy whether or not the Mets are actually going to try to win in 2024. What say you, Turk, as a long-suffering Mets fan? Stephen Cohen, when this guy got hired as the owner, when, when he bought the team, he got hired. People said, oh, this is great. The greatest owner of all time. Blah, 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 blah. He's a Mets fan. Uh, n- not going so well right now. What's your take on Cohen and the Mets? Well, what what I feel happened is um, it, it, it's a kind of a three-year process. In 2021, uh, they they had the analytics department run the team, and it was a complete failure. And that was Cohen's – he had he bought the team. He didn't really change anything. Sandy Alderson was still in charge. And uh, it was Alderson's dream to have analytics do everything. He's one of the fathers of analytics going back to the late 90s. Uh, and so it failed. So la- then last year they hired Buck Walter for 2022, and they hired some good coaches, and they backed off the analytics and let the manager and the coaches do their thing, you know, like it used to be for 150 years. And they had a great year, won 101 games. So they stumbled down the stretch, lost in the in the wild card to the Padres. So then this year, they yeah, Cohen spends the big money, right? 300, what, 50, 370 million, whatever it was. I mean, huge amounts of money, you know, like the Dodgers did in the 2000s, you know, when, uh, when, when they got bought and they never won either. And then it fell apart again. And it turns out that because Cohen put the analytics department in charge again this year, and it's been a disaster, everyone has played worse than their, the back of their baseball card. And so they did the right thing, I think, by selling off. Uh, they got a lot of good prospects. I know how you and let me let me see. Do you still call prospects suspects? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> because Turk, listen, you're all excited because er- everyone does the same thing. Like, oh, this guy's gonna be great. You know, this guy's gonna live up to the scouting report. I- I've heard this for 20 plus years, folks. And I've been right, and I've been right more times than I've been wrong. Because you look at the trades, and you can go back, and with very few exceptions. When you trade an established star player, in fact, I praise the Angels, Turk, for not trading Otani because I don't need, I'd rather see Otani for two more months with a team, if I'm an Angels fan, than trade him for some minor league pitchers going to have Tommy John surgery in two years and some guy that's, you know, hyped up at 50 home runs and then ends up batting, you know, 194 with limited (laughs) power. I don't need that. A great example. The angels have a guy, Mickey Moniak or Moniak, whatever his name is, uh, who was the number one overall pick from the Phillies. Yes. He's an average major league player. He and said he they, won 300 he, this year. But he's an average major league player. That's yeah, he's, he's, gave he's up been below him. average until this year, actually. Yeah, so you uh, think the, the Mets, one of the guys they got was Ronald Acuna, uh, his brother. Right. And he's a shortstop. Don't you have Francisco Lindor for the next 10 years or eight years at shortstop? Yeah, we have him for the rest of his life. Um, yes. at short, and and then even when he dies, even, even when he dies, he'll still be the shortstop. He'll the still, it's, it's, it's the Bobby Bonilla contract. But, yeah. Um, no, yeah, he, he's, uh, Acuna, you know, he'll move to second base. Um, but actually he might play next year. He might make the team next year. And the Mets were in a different situation because Verlander and Scherzer were not free agents. So, uh, I, I don't know. I, if I was the angels though, I, the angels must think they can re-sign Otani because if you, if you don't think you can re-sign him, you had to trade him. You just had to, I mean, you're going to get nothing for him if he's not. And of course you're a Dodgers fan. You're hoping he goes you know, up, up the freeway. Well, well, no, but. no, not necessarily because I will never be able to go to another Dodger game in the press box. Cause it'll all be, uh, well, Otani, yes, Otani, Otani has, yes. O- has 20, roughly 20 writers and TV people that follow him around. I'm not yeah. kidding. Just, just a sign from Japanese media to cover him when he pitches. It's, it's, it reminds me of, 
Hideo Nomo, when I was covering the Dodgers back in the 90s, they had Hideo Nomo, and it was insane. Right. And they had to have extra seats uh, because there was so much media from Japan. And it's it's even bigger now because Otani's the greatest player in the history of baseball and all this. Uh, so it's insane what's going on. Yeah, no, that's true. Don't you have a nameplate, though? Don't you, I mean, you've been going to games there in the press well, box for a long yeah, time. Yeah, you know, and then I got married. I don't go I go, I don't go. don't as much. I, I do go more now than I did in the past. But, yeah, I was out there pretty much every night for yeah. 25 years. I was at every Dodger game and uh, a lot of Laker-Clipper games, things like that back in the – when I had no life and I had no no, no one to uh, spend time right. with and all that stuff back. Yeah, see, now you have a life, so now you can't go as much. Exactly. You know, he's being grown up, I guess. Is, <laughs> that's part of that's what they call it, right? And then you're no, – so, so you're you're okay when you like the minor league players. You buy into the well, hype. You, well, here's the thing. I'm not – I mean, look, Scherzer – I mean, look, Otani's still in his prime. Scherzer and Verlander are not. So – and yeah. in fact – Scherzer gave up what three runs his first inning with the with Texas, uh, pitched well the rest of the way. But uh, they're, neither one of those guys is going to get better next year. So I, you know, that's why I'm okay with it. That what the Mets gave up was just people who are free agents or forty year olds. So yeah. well, yeah. and the Mets also paid uh, Cohen paid a good amount of money, right? Which is which is fine with me. Yeah. Because you know, I, I you know, I don't. I live in Phoenix, so I'm not going to the game. So if he wants to raise, you know, if he wants to uh, raise ticket prices and prices for concessions, I'm okay with that. If he wants to recoup some of that money, it's not my money. So you know, he did the right thing. He can afford it, and more power to him. He actually took the, his money and bought minor league prospects. It was, a, it was an interesting theory, right? He, instead of um, the the Mets played the Orioles this weekend and got swept. And instead of um, they talked about on, on on the broadcast, instead of tanking for four years like the Orioles, the Orioles were winning fifty two games a year for like four years, right? They were terrible. They were losing one hundred ten games a year to get high draft picks, so to rebuild. So what Cohen did instead was instead of tanking like that, he's going to use his money and bought prospects. So he bought first round pick prospects. And instead of tanking. And so we'll see if it works. Yeah. Well, you can never get away with what the Orioles did or the Astros. Which, yeah, yeah. They did for years before they ended right. up. The Astros and, did it first. Right. And, and, then, a, and then they still had to cheat to end up winning the World yes. Series. So it's yes, uh, that, 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 that We're on the same page on that one. Yeah. They yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 All right, so I, 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 we have a little time left. I know you're in the NFL, you're a Giants fan. Your family yep. had season tickets forever. Yes. But the Giants are an afterthought this so far in terms of publicity. It's all about the Jets. That's Sorry. okay. That doesn't annoy you. You're not bothered by that. No, Aaron Rodgers. No. It's Aaron Rodgers takes a bowel movement, and it's a front page <laughs> news on the internet. You don't. You're not worried about that. You're fine with being in the background, huh? The Giants have always been like that, so we're we're fine with that. I mean, the Giants have won four Super Bowls. The Jets have haven't even been in a Super Bowl since '69. So. And meanwhile, the Giants have won four. So we're we're very happy with let the Jets get all that publicity. The the Giants are back. Uh, they have a great coaching staff. Uh, they're the Daniel Jones. Uh, you're going to love this one, Ben. I know you love this. Daniel Jones is looking great in training camp. 
So, oh yeah, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Against uh, against who exactly? Against <laughs> who is he? Uh, I always love when guys oh dominate practice. You know, but, but let's see him in a game. It's like it's like in remember in spring training, guys would right. hit a bunch of home runs in the Cactus League, and you're right. like, well, let's see let's see what he does at night at uh, you know not in you know, not in the hot weather or just right. kind of normal weather you know in the, with a marine layer in L.A. or something like that. But we'll yeah, but the, yeah, they're looking good. I mean, they they have a really good coaching staff with with Dable and and Mike Kopp. Is the uh, the the coordinator, and then they've got Wink uh, Martindale as the defensive coordinator. They had that surprise team last year that went to the playoffs and beat the Vikings in the first round. I know. Uh, so they're well, you know be, what happens though when you have, now, Turk, you've been around enough. When you have a surprise season, the following year it's the regression to the mean. So you got to be worried about that. The regression. Well, the back I'm, I'm looking at it as the '80s Giants, where they '84 they came out of nowhere and had a nine and seven year. And then in '85 they got they went better, and then '86 they won it all. So that's that's the progression we're looking at here. We think that that this team is going to make the playoffs, and they're going to be real solid. And they got uh, Darren Waller as a as a nice tight end receiver. Uh, you know, one of the, that's what they were missing. They didn't have anybody good to throw to. And now they've got they've got that they they signed a couple well, of people. is it now Turk is it the people catching the passes or is it the person throwing the passes? Oh, are you an anti Daniel Jones guy? I'm a, I'm a I'm a truther. I'm a Daniel Jones <laughs> truther is what I am. Yeah. Uh, the, the guy's a bum, but that's I, my opinion. I, I, Jones, it was last year was the first year he had competent coaching and and he played well. Yeah, uh, the, the Giants were, I believe, twenty fifth in passing offense last year. Well, they well they did they well, but you know they reined it in, and and Barkley did most of the work. Saquon Barkley, but but is that because Brian Dable did not trust Daniel Jones to- at the beginning? Yes, uh-huh. in the first yes, the first half of the year, correct. Yeah. And but he got better and better as the year went on, and now they're opening it up. I mean, if you if you count what they're telling us in training camp, you know what the the beat writers do give you stuff in training camp. Uh, for football. So they, you know, and, and that it seems like they're opening it up. They, they actually went out and got some receivers and got Waller. Who's more of a receiving, receiving tight end. He's not a blocker. So, uh, and he's been dominating in practice too. So we'll, you know, we, we have high hopes for the Giants this year, for sure. I got you. All right. And uh, you, you've been out of the radio business for a while, right? Sir, you've been living a normal life. What's it like living a normal life in education? Uh, yeah, I've been teaching. Well, I've been teaching PE. This is my seventeenth year. What? Uh, yeah. I, well, I started. I started in 06 while I was still uh, working at Fox. Okay. And that's when I shifted to weekend work. So um, I that, one of my highlights of working at Sporting News Radio is I was working seven days a week because I was teaching Monday through Friday, then doing eight hour shifts Saturday and Sunday uh, for Sporting News Network. And so it was. It, yeah, it was a lot. Uh, but I loved it, and uh, I miss it. I do miss being on the air. I miss uh, working with you for sure. Uh, it was a lot of fun um, keeping us keeping ourselves awake at uh, three a.m. and uh, <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. No, we had a great time, and I remember I went when you were coaching early on at a very bougie school in Brentwood. Uh, I believe. Yes. It was- Are we allowed to name it? Can I name it? Oh, you don't work there anymore. Not sure. Why not? Go uh, ahead. Yes, I worked for a school called Carlthorpe. Uh, very fancy school, uh, private school, some, some celeb, they don't actually go for the celebs. The other private schools in the area kind of cater to the celebs. Uh, we didn't, but we've had, we had a few there when I was there. Uh, Ben Affleck, Jennifer Garner, 
uh, when are they still together? I don't. I'm not. I've I've lost the connection. I don't I'm, know if they're. I'm uh, pretty pretty sure they're not. Pretty, they're not. They're not together. Not they were then, and yeah. their kids were young, and so they went there, and they're both very nice, by the way, uh, for the fans listening. They were both very nice people. Uh, ben Affleck is tall, man. He's six four. He's is, a tall dude. Okay. Yeah, usually those guys in uh, movies are very small, little little people. Yeah, yeah. you don't realize how t- you know, they're like basketball players. Sometimes you don't realize how tall they are because they put them with actors and actresses who are tall. You know, and so you don't realize how it's like basketball. They all look on TV. They don't look that tall because they're all the same size. But then yeah. you meet them in person and they're, you know, six, nine. I mean, they're huge. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I work for I work for a, a bougie school. Yes, it's expensive. Uh, it's a private school in Santa Monica. So, yeah, it was it, it was. Well, and now and now you're in Arizona where it's one hundred and ten degrees well, every, every day. day of the year, <laughs> which hot. must be make your job very easy, Turk, when you're out and you're going to get kids to exercise when it's a thousand degrees outside. Well, wonderful. It's hot. And we and when there's no gym, I, I don't have a gymnasium. In fact, I, I was also I taught in Vegas for six years as well before I moved down here to Phoenix. And uh and I had no gym there either. So, and it's uh, hot in Vegas too. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, they, it's hot. It's, but you, you get, I could say you get used to it. You just know it's there. So you just like, okay, this is what it is. And you try to find shade when you can. Uh, but I love it. Uh, I do miss radio. I do miss working with folks like you who, who are so good at it. Uh, it was always fun to work with people who are good, and and yeah. you're one of the best. Well, and- I, I love you, Turk. We want you back in radio. So if you ever want to get back, it pays no money, and the hours suck. But we'd love to have you back at some but, point. How can I refuse, right? With, yeah, with an great, offer like that, it's a great offer. But uh, but I'll let you go. Thank you so much, Turk. You're the man. We'll have you on again at some point. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Hey, I loved it. Thank you so much. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.